What's going on, people? Exciting news coming to you from the Dynasty Warzone Network. We're starting a DFS podcast. If you tuned into the end of last season, I can't remember at this point in time if it was the playoffs or the final week of the season. We had a little bit of a test run in terms of uh, doing some DFS content for DWZ. But we are going strong, going full-time with the Dynasty Warzone Network for a DFS podcast. This is going to be the Daily Destroyer. You got that right. Shout out to Memphis for coining the term Daily Destroyer, where we will be bringing you DFS content every single week. So you should tune in and cash out as we are going to get you the cash, get you the lineups, get you the info that you need to uh, make some cash uh, on DraftKings. Um, With that said, um, let, let's do a quick little intro here. So my name is Tyler. I'm on Twitter at F, F, at FF Tyler O. Uh, I've been doing DFS for about five years. This is my third year of doing DFS content uh, on the podcasts. Um, I've been doing it with uh, my boy Lou over here for quite some time. Excited to uh, take it to the next level here with DWZ. Lou, my man, what's going on? I'm excited to start this endeavor with you. Yeah. Hey, Ty. Uh, so I, I'm at Ludog Sports on Twitter, and basically last year was the first year we did any sort of uh, live streaming for DFS content, but before that, we had done uh, podcasting and uh, just audio, and then before that, I did some writing for DFS content, and so I've been doing content for about three years, and like you, I've probably been playing DFS for about five years now I've been playing multiple sports, but NFL is definitely the one that I focus on the most. Yep. And just so we're clear, kind of with the parameters of what, you know, the DFS content we're going to be delivering to y'all. Um, we're going to be primarily, I not primarily only working through DraftKings. There's plenty of good sites out there, but we, we find it much easier when talking about the players, talking about the pricing, talking about the scoring to just limit it to, to one one place and that's going to be DraftKings for us this season so whenever we're talking about player pricing scoring whatnot just know it will be DraftKings we primarily also talk about cash games cash games are going to be your double ups they're going to be your head-to-heads they're going to be your 50-50s um you know, we'll probably sprinkle in a little bit of single entry free max tournaments as well. But this, there's not going to be a lot of us, you know, conversing about the, the Millie Maker and whatnot. Like, you know, DFS is fun. Like, we, we play DFS for fun. Uh, we're, neither Lou or myself are trying here to get rich, even though Lou has gotten a lot closer to that than I have. Um, but, you know, it, we do this for fun. But at the same time, we've, we've had some success. We have fun talking about it. So here we are doing the pod. Um, just, you all know, it's DraftKings. We're also only talking main slate. Not really big on the showdowns. Don't really do the the Thursday to Monday stuff. So we like to keep that that you know the the site of the podcast quite narrow, um, just so the content can stay crisp, the content can stay sharp, and we're all on the same page going into the season. So again, it's DraftKings, mostly cash games, talking about the main slates. 
Um, Lou, anything to add before we go into a little bit of some of the strategy or, or some of our thought process through the DFS uh, streets here? Yeah, so I think uh, it's important to note that we're generally going to be putting this this content out on, say, Friday or Saturday nights. And then generally there's going to be a lot of news that comes out after we do the podcast. So uh, make sure to check on Twitter. Like we'll we'll throw out different tidbits. Maybe someone who's questionable ends up he's going to play or vice versa and they're not going to play. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we get someone at min price who is going to be the best value on the slate. And, you know, you have to lock him in first. So I think that's important to say is, is not necessarily if we say someone's good on Friday, will we end up liking them as much on Sunday? But for the most part, this is at this point in time in the week where we stand and the types of things we're looking for in the given week. Yeah, absolutely. Great point, Lou, because there's so many times when I feel great about a player and then something will happen, like even the weather, like severe, uh, you know, snowstorm hit something. I was big on a wide receiver. It could throw me off just a little bit or, you know, something pops up, an injury. Uh, It's a good note because things change pretty quickly um, in the NFL. So most of the time it stays the same, but it's also just good to note that the stay on top of it. And you should be doing that anyways. If you're playing DFS, um, you know, you, you can do your dummy lineups earlier in the week. You can create your lineups on Fridays, but you should always, always be checking those before game times on Sundays. We know you're doing that with your uh, fantasy lineups anyway, so go ahead and do it with your DFS as well. The same idea happens. Tinkering, I know it can burn you sometimes, but in the, in the DFS streets, it's definitely an important thing to note. Um, with that said, uh, let's jump into a little bit of our strategy, uh, kind of how we think about things. You're going to be getting a lot of that organically as as we roll out week one next week. We're not going to be talking much about week one pricing, week one players this pod. This is more of the intro pod, letting you all know that the, the Daily Destroyer is going to be coming at you all every single week. The DFS content under the Dynasty Warzone umbrella is coming at you every single week. So this is going to be a long pod, but at the same time, just wanted to to talk, uh, you know, introduce ourselves, talk a little bit about what we're going to be throwing out there and talk about a little bit about our process. So, you know, the first thing I think is important just to talk about is game selection. We, we kind of alluded to it earlier, but I'll turn it over to my boy Lou here just to talk about, you know, some of his thought process in terms of selecting which games to play. Yeah, so when I'm looking at cash games, I'm generally, you're looking because the way that this game is, has changed over time and there's so many more people playing and there's so much more content that's out there. So I think the big thing to to notice is everyone's generally sharper than they were a couple of years ago. So people know about things like stacking your quarterback with their wide receivers at this point in time. And so if you're going to do that, you're not the only person that's going to do that. So um, it's important to know that your competition is probably better now than they were a year ago or, um, you know, I think when it comes to finding games, you're going to look, you're going to try to find games against players that have less experience. So there's a couple ways that you could figure that out real quick on a site like DraftKings. So they have different badges attached to uh, usernames. So there is a general badge, and then they have uh, lines on the badges and the more lines that you have the more games that you've played and the more amount of money you've put on the site and played if you don't have a badge which we generally just refer to them as non-badgers they are going to have less games played and in that scenario less experience 
So uh, you're going to notice most of the games have full badges, but um, when I go through a lobby for head-to-head, I'm checking the actual usernames and if they have a badge. If they don't have a badge, that's a game that I just automatically click. Scoop it up. Scoop Unless it up. I re- recognize the name. Sometimes you'll recognize names. Um, there's different things. Roto Grinders has a list, a database of you know, who's the player rankings and how they've had over time. And um, so just from doing it as often as I have, I'll recognize a lot of names. And if you could go into different databases of historical records to see if you've played those opponents before. But um, if you don't want to get that detailed, the easiest thing to do is check if they have a badge. If they don't have a badge, they've played less games. It's going to be a softer game. Most likely. Um, the other thing is on DraftKings, if players have spent more than a million dollars on games over time or made a million dollars on games, then they um, are not allowed to play in games less than $5. So what I do is I'll go through all of the 3 and $1 contests and try to get as many of those as I can. Uh, I believe you can only have 50 games at each of those dollar levels. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure the type of audience we have if they're going to be throwing 50 games at $1 and 50 games at, at $2, but that's just something to note. Um, that if you want to throw 100 bucks on in a week, you could throw 50 $2 games in. And um, that's more efficient than doing $25 games. Yep. So that's the main I, point yep. with that. Yep. And I, I just want to, to, to just kind of note that, like, you know, saying you, you're going to go on DraftKings and you're going to want to play head-to-head, you want to select your opponents. Like, I, I really want to hammer that home. Like, you just don't want to throw your games on there because you're just going to get scooped up by sharks. You're not always going to get scooped up by sharks, but you're putting yourself out there to be scooped up by some sharks. So when I play my head-to-heads, just like you said, like, I'm looking for those non-badge players in those head-to-head rooms and scooping up those games because, um, you know, the, the chances of winning are just better. Like, do I have data to back that up? No, but also at the same time, like, I feel like that's pretty true. So you don't want to just be posting a bunch of uh, games up there. You want to be selecting your head-to-head opponents because that's likely going to give you a better chance to win those head-to-head games. And just to kind of go a little bit further down that head-to-head thing is, like, I prefer to play head-to-head games in my cash games because it's it's basically a way to, like, reduce the, like, um, I don't know if it doesn't reduce the variance, but, like, if you're playing like double ups or 50 fifties, you're more likely either going to win them all or you're going to lose them all. That's just basically how that's going to work. But in head to heads, you can scoop up a bunch of different games and you're still going to beat some people. So even if you have a bad week, you're still going to get some money. So like I primarily play the head to heads because of that. Um, just because if it, to me, 50 fifties and double ups are usually if you're putting in the same lineup, putting in a bunch of different contests, it's all or nothing. Yeah. And I think sort of to go off of that point, um, when you have a head-to-head, it's easier to, say, manage. So um, generally, there'll be 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock games. And if you have a head-to-head, you could look at your opponent, and if you're trailing them, you you could then adjust your lineup because you you know, oh, the rest of their players are, are likely the same as mine, and I can't catch them unless I adjust my lineup. And it's easier to manage that than if you're in a double-head with a 1,000 opponents um, and you're trying to you can't go through a thousand lineups just to do that. So I think that's, that's an important thing with head to heads. Um, or you could do three mans, you know, at three, five, 10 person contests. Um, those are available on DraftKings. I like to enter those 
And that's another thing. You can see who your opponents are real quick. In the thousand-person field, you're not looking at your opponents at all. And um, to to kind of go off of your point on the um, choosing people, I think I think a main reason why it's softer is because the people who are like left at the end of the week are who gets matched together in those games. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. someone who everyone's been avoiding taking their games all week because they know they're someone who's got a hundred thousand dollars in on games in the week. And they're just, uh, you know, generally better than most people. Um, those are the type of people that you end up matching with because that's what's left that everyone else was avoiding picking up before. So I think that's part of the reason, like you said, like I don't have the specific data, but um, I have noticed the same as you, where when you get matched, it's more likely you're facing those uh, quote unquote sharps. Yep. And then just to go back to the point real quick, I just want to talk about it. Um, I don't know if it's obvious, but um, you were talking about like switching players and noticing if you need to make up some ground or whatnot is you want to put the late player in your flex. And I think that, you know, if you play just regular redraft or dynasties at your lineups, you might already know that. But just wanted to say that it's even more important in DFS because when you're in a dynasty league or in a redraft league, um, you only have a couple of players to choose from to, sw- to swap. But when you're in DFS, like you, you can take anyone in those later games to swap. So always putting the, the later players in your flex, regardless of it's it's a, you know, I think there's always this kind of you want to put like your best players and your wide receivers and your, your running back slots and then your worst player in your flex. No, put your latest player into the flex spot. So it gives you that um, flexibility. And I, I, and I think, you know, Lou, I'll let you kind of take this here after I kind of, you know, pitch it to you, but um, you know, you know, swapping players in DFS is something that you absolutely should be doing. Like, I'm not going to say like you're drawing dead if you're not doing it, but you are losing an edge if you're not looking at your, your lineups and who you're playing and swapping. So you talked about it a bit before, but it's just really hammering that home that you got to get those late players in your flex because you should be swapping. Yeah. And I think the most important part with that, something to, I sort of alluded to earlier where don't build your lineup on Friday because you're going to get news between Friday and Sunday is when all of the news comes out where whether it's this guy hasn't been practicing all week or, Oh, this guy did practice on Thursday, hadn't practiced the other two days, or this guy's going to be active. That's where a lot of the news will come out. And uh, I can't stress this enough, but the later that you create your lineup, the better, because you want all of the news possible to make that correct get that info, decision. Get that information, most information you right. can get. And so that goes along with this, where say you have you know, everybody except two players from your lineup played in the one o'clock games. Now it's the four o'clock time. And, oh, someone on the Cardinals got hurt during warmups. Now all of a sudden his backup is going to play. Don't be afraid to leave some salary out there if there's just clearly a better play that opens up. So maybe you know maybe you had a guy like like Calvin Ridley who is more expensive who you really wanted and you just couldn't get enough with other pieces to to play him. But now all of a sudden you have this backup running back who opened up who now you can throw him in your lineup and Ridley and all those other guys who didn't play Ridley because he was too expensive before. Now all of a sudden you have the edge on them. And so it's, it's just one of those things where like watching the news throughout the week is important, but it Sunday is definitely the most important news day of all. 
Let's transition just a bit into, you know, talking about lineup building. I know you and I both like to think about it as like, you know, it's, it's kind of like pieces to a puzzle, right? Um, you know, and there's chalk players every week. That's always going to happen. Like the pricing comes out for DraftKings, I believe, on Monday. Um, sometimes we find out a player is out on Tuesday, Wednesday, and there's just they're just so underpriced that you have to play them, especially if that happens with running backs uh, specifically. Um, but at the same time, um, you don't want to play all chalk. You, there's good chalk and bad chalk, and deciding what chalk is good and what chalk is bad is, is going to be a core piece of you know piecing this puzzle together, especially in cash games, um, as you do still want to be playing some chalk in cash games because again, it's, you're playing one other person or a, a small t- or a small field. So, um, just real quick, talk about lineup building and your thoughts on you know core players and, and bad chalk, good chalk, eating chalk, however we want to talk about it. Yeah, I think kind of what you said is. You know, when we are going to have our shows moving forward, I think we will generally give our top you know, two or three plays. These are the guys we're really focusing on this week. And uh, you know, we want to give you the tools and then you build your own lineup with them. But I think, I think that's something important. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, there's going to be most weeks a clear running back play that – everyone wants to be on and is going to be in cash games, you know, at least 40% owned. Uh, There's probably going to be a bunch of low priced, either wide receivers or tight ends each week that a lot of people are going to be on. And I'd say wide receiver is the position that it and tight end, but wide receiver is probably the position that you can be most different at because it's such a high variance position. But running back chalk is generally the chalk that I'm willing to eat the most because they are getting, if if they're going to be chalk, they're likely getting 20 plus touches in the week. So don't be afraid to do what you hear other people are doing because at the end of the day, you have more than those two spots to fill. So if you have the same two running backs everyone else has, then just get different elsewhere and you'll make up for it. And if you're better at choosing your wide receivers and tight ends, then you're going to win the week, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think it really just comes. You'll see Lou and I, and this is something we've we've talked about. You know, when we're doing our DFS shows, we've done the last couple seasons. Um, you know, we'll usually start off talking about either quarterbacks, and we spend a lot more time on running backs, I think, than anything because it's just about choosing the right ones. Because like, there's great plays at running back every single week. It's just the nature of the position because they're getting so many touches. And it's like, sometimes it's not about like, oh, these are good choices like or bad choices. Like there's a lot of good choices, but it's like picking the right ones at running back is usually the difference in the week. Um, you know, we're going to be going through like, you know, one of the big things we do um, going through like the individual matchups like that, that's going to be a big thing. What defense are they playing? Not only what defense are they playing, but how good has that defense been against the run? And not only how good has that defense been against the run, how good has that defense been against the run like in the last four weeks? Have they been, And if they're good against the run, maybe they're giving up a lot of passes to running backs, like little things like Atlanta Falcons uh, for the longest time were just like a sieve for running back catches. Right. So we would just be like, all right, what running back has been catching a lot of balls? And there's just a lot of little ways that we look at it. We really break it down at a micro level, looking at um, individual matchups. 
looking at for each of our players, but also looking at the defense and then breaking down that defense individually, understanding what defenses, you know, are giving up more points to say like a wide receiver two, giving up more points to a tight end. Um, you know, that's all the content that you're going to be getting from us is just like when we're talking about a player, we're going to be talking about their individual matchup. And that's just about like this team versus that team. And I think that's, um, you know, a lot of DFS players obviously do that, but I think we really hammer hammer that down trying to like really understand that single players matchup for that week. Um, and it's worked out pretty decent for us in the past. Um, anything to add there, Lou? No, I think, I think you, you basically said it there where you, there's so many players in the pools in, in a given week. And, you know, some weeks we might talk about 10 wide receivers. Other weeks we might talk about, you know, only four running backs because we're really just choosing three of those four in, in the week. Um, and we're just giving out more wide receivers because like I said before, it, that's where you have to be different. Um, cause there's going to be certain weeks where, Oh, maybe Derek Henry is the only high, highly expensive running back, but he's in a great opportunity against a bad team and he's going to touch the ball and potentially rush it 30 times in the game. So I think there's going to be certain weeks where we talk about more running backs or more wide receivers, but that's really just based on the week and, and how it's playing out. But I think um, there's going to be a lot of people that we don't decide that to talk about on a Friday who we end up playing. Mm -hmm. So I think um, it's really just trying to give you a list of people that we're, we're focusing on and matchups that we're thinking about and then as we hear chatter throughout the weekend on who everyone else is playing, then that's where you might be able to, you might change your mind. But um, for the most part, there's going to be a core of say like five or six running backs that I'm not even looking at any other running backs in a given week. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, like the reason for that is, is we're playing the main slate. That's the one and four o'clock game. So if there's like, you know, if the bills and, and the, the chiefs are playing, let's say like on a Monday, and like, you know, I don't know, like the Cowboys or another prolific offense or something are playing on the Thursday game and another couple of good offenses are playing on the Sunday night game because those are the primetime games. Like those games are going to get some of the better teams. So we're just looking at the one and four o'clock games. That's the main slate. So we're not looking at the full pool of players. So sometimes those elite players that you think of just aren't an option for that week, which, uh, can create a, you know, a bit of, again, create a bit of a puzzle, but we are here to fit the pieces of the puzzle together to hopefully deliver y'all some uh, winning lineups on the week. Um, Lou, anything else here? Yeah, I think um, one other, I mean, we're specifically talking about cash games right now, but um, one thing I also play a lot of is, is single entry contests. And I'll, the people that I talk about on the pod, um, a lot of times is my similar pool for the single entry and how I change my strategy for single entry is, is more along the lines of making the entire lineup more correlated. And what I mean by that is um, a lot of times you're just going to pick for your cash game, who's the best position by position dollar for dollar play. But in a single entry contest, I'm going to need more upside because I'm not just trying to get in the top 45% of a double up i'm trying to get in the top you know 20 percent of this single entry field or trying to get first place and in order to do that you need to have more upside plays so we generally will talk about guys who have upside and that's obviously why they're a good play in the given week but they also have a higher floor so when i'm looking at a single entry team 
I'm going to have make sure that my quarterback is matched up with either the wide receiver and or the tight end of his same team who I'm hoping they match up for touchdowns. Say the quarterback, there's four touchdowns. He's at least two or three of them. I'm getting in the rest of my lineup as well. So you're getting 12 points for those touchdowns instead of just six. And then um, there's another concept of bringing it back where you take someone from the opponent that they're playing and um, with the idea that the opponent is now trailing because your quarterback's thrown for four touchdowns. You have, you have Patrick Mahomes and he has four touchdowns and now their opponent has to throw the ball the whole second half. And then all of a sudden your other wide receiver now has 12 catches and then he gets a touchdown. So that's where in um, other contests like single entry or three max, that's where I'm going to look to more correlate my lineups than just in cash where I'm just trying to play the best dollar for dollar plays. Love it, Lou. And another thing I just want to point out um, is that like it's DFS. We need to be treating this like a one week season. Uh, The big thing for me is like, just because a player didn't do anything last week, doesn't mean that they can't blow up this week, right? I feel like in, in in redraft, it's sometimes a little bit of a different story, but you're literally crafting a new lineup every single week. So it's really important to kind of look at it as a siloed week and a different week every week, week to week, instead of being like, what has he done for me lately? It's like, what can he do for me now? And that is way more important. I know that that mindset um, took me a bit of a second to kind of adjust to is like, you're literally just playing a one week season. But at the same time, I think it's just something to think about, something to adjust to, especially when you're, you know, trying to get serious or at least trying to win a little bit of cash playing DFS. Yeah, and that's an important concept of bankroll management. So um, generally the way I think of it is you want to look forward in time and say how much at most would I want to lose. So maybe you say, oh, I want to lose or you don't want to lose, but say at most you're going to put in like a thousand dollars, right? But you don't want to put all thousand dollars in week one. You want to put enough where um, you could have four straight losing weeks and still have that same bankroll. So you're probably putting in two to two fifty in the given week out of that thousand, because if you were to lose and have a stretch of, of three or four weeks, that you just lose everything, then uh, you still have money to play with that following week. Cause like you said, every week is, is different. So you could have a bad week, but that doesn't mean your next week's going to be bad because maybe you just missed a news blurb and, um, f- or forgot to set your lineup at the last second. And then some other player went off who you didn't have. Like you have to be able to have enough of that, um, that bankroll that allows for, losing all of the the money that you put in for the given week. Obviously we plan on winning, but at the end of the day, like this is a, a high variance game and it's, it all depends on what the players actually do. doesn't matter how much research you do. So um, I think bankroll management is important and make sure that you're not putting 50% of your balance in on a given week, unless you only plan on playing for two weeks. Yeah. At, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you got to have a short memory about it. Like, that's the biggest thing. And I think something that I learned early on is like, you know, I started playing through 50 bucks in, like, won 100 bucks, you know, turned that 100 bucks into 200. And then that next week, I put all 200 bucks in and I lost it, you know? And that, that's just, it's not a smart way to be playing. You got to, 
uh, have a little bit of um, self-control when it comes into entering these lineups. Like I know it's so easy to just keep hitting enter contest, enter contest, enter contest when you see that balance, but you just, you just need to realize like this, you need to set aside uh, an amount or a percentage that you're comfortable playing every week and, and try to stick to it. I mean, the people that are the most, like, as you said, the people that are most successful in DFS are incredible with managing that bankroll. You know, that, that is something that they've perfected. That is something that they are incredibly good at. Um, and it's something that you should at least be practicing or trying to get good at and not just winning a bunch of money. So I'm going to spend more money because that's how you end up keep pumping. Up. That's how you become the deposit king, right? <laughs> yeah. Cause he, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're, if you lose all 16 weeks in the season, then you know, maybe it's not for you. But um, I mean, generally, even the best players will have stretches of of downswings. But like you said, like they, they're not putting all of their money in on a given week because they know that downside downside risk. But the upside is also pretty great. So they keep playing because over the long run is when they can make that, you know, 10, 20 percent return um, that they're really going for so don't necessarily get stuck on oh this week was bad just if the week is bad just start looking forward to the next week just forget it in your mind basically you got a loop any uh any other uh pieces of advice out there before we uh try to wrap things up here no i think uh you know the the slate is already up so you can see prices um there's going to be a lot of value in week one because they make the prices so far in advance. General weeks, uh, you'll get likely like Tuesdays. Um, they'll come out with the prices. So you have you know, four or five days to make lineups. But in this case, the, pr- the prices have been out for a couple of weeks at this point. So um, there are players that might be priced up who didn't even make a roster um, or have even been traded or picked up by a different team at this point. So uh, you're going to see guys like you know, someone like a, a Cam Akers, who he's obviously not going to play. And James and Robinson is cheap as hell. James Robinson's going to be cheap. He's probably going to be chalk. Um, hearing like Marcus Callaway is probably a guy who, who people are going to be on. Um, big name guys like Kamara is going to be common. And so um, – it's a week where you're able to spend up a lot because there's going to be guys at min price who, when they came out with prices, maybe there's question marks, even if they're going to be on the team and now they're going to be the second or third wide receiver option on a team. So um, a lot of stuff opens up for the first week, but that also means scores are going to be higher. So don't be worried if you, if you say, Oh, I had 200 points and didn't even get close to the cash line. Um, week one is going to be when it's going to be the highest scoring. So um, that's something to to make sure you, you have in the back of your mind where each week is different. Some weeks you're going to cash with 150 points. Other weeks you won't cash with 200 points. Um, and it's just week by week, depending on how the players play. So um, don't be discouraged if you have if you score more points in a week that you lose versus another week. Great way of thinking, great way of looking at it. Lou, again, this is the Daily Destroyer, the DFS affiliate of the Dynasty Warzone. I am Tyler at FF Tyler O. Lou will be the co-host at Lou Dog Sports. We are so excited to to roll this out. We've had some experience doing it on a on a smaller site. Um, but now we are we are here taking a step up with the Dynasty Warzone to uh, you know, hopefully deliver y'all some some winning lineups and Get uh get you all some cash. Parting words, Lou. 
No, I think, um, yeah, you said best. Just, I'll probably tweet some stuff out this week um, on guys I'm looking at beforehand and maybe just little tidbits um, of news. But, yeah, I'm definitely ready to get back into it. Uh, you know, we got – we're recording this on Thursday, so it's – just less than 10 days from this, the real start of the season. And even on Thursday night, when, when we got games playing, it, it'll be exciting to watch those guys for future weeks. That's the other thing I like doing is, you know, watching games on Mondays and Thursdays. And then you see where the, you see versus a, a red zone. When you're watching one game, you're noticing these backups a little more than you would. So like the team watch the tape is, it's a real thing. So, um, I definitely like watching the Thursday night games for, for that reason. So excited for the NFL season to be back. Yeah, man, it's uh it creeps up on you, but it yeah. is officially here. It is football season. I'm excited to, to roll this thing out with you this season uh, for Lou dog for myself. This is the daily destroyer. That's all we have today, folks. Don't forget. Tell somebody you love them later. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.